I need to speak louder. There you go. There I, you I, are. I feel like I'm yelling. Oh. Mm. No? That sounds better. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. I feel like oh, I'm really loud. Better. I have to come down here. Is that better? Yeah. Welcome to Flipping Off, a purpose-driven podcast about flipping houses and making a difference. Hello, 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 everybody. Melina Boswell here, co-founder of New Wealth Advisors Club. Great day to you today with me. I have some really um, good friends, which is exciting for me. So um, I have Tim Wilkinson. Hello. (laughs) And Oscar Solares. Good morning. Or afternoon or evening. You don't even know when they're listening. It is morning for us. It is. Mm -hmm. Good day. Good day. Uh Good day, mate. (laughs) (laughs) And today we have a very good friend, um, a personal friend of mine and a personal friend and great um, asset of the club, Mr. Mike Young. Hello, everybody. Hello. So many of you, if you've been listening to us for any length of time, you know that New Wealth Advisors Club um, is a group of people committed to empower and encourage all people to realize their core purpose in life. And with this realization, we believe everyone can live an inspired life full of enthusiasm as they in turn inspire others. Right. <laughs> right. That's so. pretty much it. Uh-huh. So that is actually our mission statement. And as I was thinking about this podcast today, it's one that I've been wanting to do. It's been on my agenda, my mental agenda for a long time, because I think it's really important for everybody to hear from Mike Young. And it relates directly to, I was just thinking as I said that out loud, and by the way, I had no intention of reading or saying, I guess, our mission statement, but as I was thinking through why we're doing this and why this has been so big on my agenda, it's because it is in direct correlation to our mission statement, and that is the story of Mike Young. So, welcome. Thank you. So, Mike, why don't you just kind of share with everybody, if you would, um, you have a very, very special story. It's one that I know has personally impacted me uh, in my life in in a really, really powerful way. And so I thought it was important for you to share that with our listeners. So would you share a little bit, um, just like, you know, you were born with, um, (laughs) I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to. So would you just share a little bit about your health journey? Because I think it's, this is a, this is a unique story in that it's really about your personal health and your personal journey and where that's taken you to today. Okay. Um, Well, I wasn't born with uh, cardiomyopathy. They found it when I was about one years old and um, I was able excuse me, um, what is cardiomy, what did you say? Cardiomyopathy is is a large heart. Okay. Um, And I had mild cardiomyopathy. That's what I was diagnosed with for till I was about 14. And about four, around 14, um, I just started getting real sick. Um, I started going to doc- the doctors, ERs, and it took about a month, two months to find out what I what I had. Um, and the cardiomyopathy means an enlarged heart. So around 14, I really stretched out, and my body wasn't able – my heart wasn't able to support my body anymore. So I started, you know, deteriorating real fast, and I got put on the transplant list. Um, at 14 years old. At 14 years old. And I was uh, at Children's Hospital Los Angeles, and that's where I was on the transplant list. I was in the hospital for about three months until they decided to um, try out 
putting me on an LVAD at the time. An LVAD stands for left ventricular assist device. So um, the LVADs were only for adults at that time. But since I was really tall, they were able to put it on me, in, inside me. And I was the first uh, patient at Children's Hospital to have an LVAD. At the time, I was the youngest person in the world to have an LVAD. And I was able to survive because an LVAD is a bridge to transplant. Mm. So I was able to survive the journey to wait for a transplant. Mm. I was in the, I had an LVAD for I think about two and a half, three months. And then I was able to get a transplant. And so were you in the hospital for that whole time? You were in the hospital while the LVAD was in when you were waiting for the transplant? Yeah, I couldn't leave. Um, I was in the hospital for about seven months. Mm Mm-hmm. Waiting, well, waiting, and then about two months at, or two weeks after I was able to leave. Wow, yeah. two weeks after the transplant, not after about, the LVAD. No, so the LVAD, um, the LVAD actually messed up on me a couple times. It twice, um, it it detached one of the stitches came loose that were connected to the heart, so I started internally bleeding, and then they had to re- rush me into emergency surgery, and then a second time it happened again, and they had to rush me up to to fix it. But it was such a new device at the time that um, things were hap- things would happen. So they were able to fix it. and They I'll, guinea pigged you. Yeah. Some, uh, <laughs> luckily. I mean, because yeah. I wouldn't have made it without it. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. So then a donor was found. A donor was found. And the um, I had the surgery about two weeks after my la- the last time they fixed the LVAD. And I've been very, pretty much good since then. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit about when you had the transplant and then you were in the hospital for two weeks and you were 14 years old? Yes. And you uh, then come home. So here you are in, I guess, high school, right? Yeah, it was, I was in ninth grade. In ninth grade, a freshman in high school. I can't imagine because that's not difficult enough. Right, yeah. Like that's not a funky enough time in your life, and now you've got this. Some, you've got somebody else's heart in your body, keeping you alive. Yeah. Um, so after I got home, I was at uh, homeschooled for the to the rest of the year mm. and summer, and then I started going to the high school that was. Well, actually, my parents were able to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandma was very. Um, she was very proactive. So during the time uh, when we were younger, my parents always rented. And my grandma was very proactive, and she would write letters. She actually wrote letters to Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And Hillary Clinton, I guess, wrote back to somebody at uh, the city of Los Angeles. And they were able to get some kind of loan for my parents to buy their first house. And that house was they that they found was a couple blocks away from where I grew up. But it was about a block away from my high school that I ended up going to, Eagle Rock High School. Eagle Rock. Eagle Rock High School. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, I knew that your grandmother was really politically active. I mean, we've talked about this before. So that's a, an interesting yeah. – I forgot about that until you just now said it. Yeah, so during the time, um, it was good. I mean, my grandma – because me and my sister are really close. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also a club member. And um, we always shared her bedroom. Mm-hmm. We're only like 11 months apart. Mm-hmm. And um, my grandma really wanted like myself to have my own room growing up and after everything being so sick um, that she was just proactive and, you know, 
kept writing letters, and she got a response, and it helped my family out tremendously. That's awesome. That is yeah, totally that's awesome. Cool. <laughs> so then what? So you, you, you're recovering, and now you've, you've started 10th grade, I guess, at Eagle Rock High School? Yeah, I started 10th grade, and then, um, well, I, I grew up going to Catholic school, mm-hmm. and I was going to a Catholic private school uh, for high school, mm-hmm. but when I got sick, I just went to a private, the public school mm-hmm. close by because... Um, I just wasn't, I didn't, I didn't think it was important high school at the time. I just was wanted to, um, live, live life and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like the time that I thought I had left. Okay. So can you talk about that? Like right. you believed that, yeah. Well, at the time it was so long ago. Um, I had my transplant 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they were fairly new. So the life expectancy wasn't very long and that had to do with, um, a lot of the transplant patients prior were very old, so they were passing away, but not due to complications with the transplant. They were passing away from cancer or whatever else that mm-hmm. was wrong with them. So they really didn't – the timeline I was kind of told was about five, ten years if I was lucky. So I really, And that was just based on data they had? That was just based on the data at the time, yeah. Wow. So for the, wow. for the age group, they had no data. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 There wasn't really – to my knowledge, there wasn't really data. Um, my surgeon was one of the top surgeons in the – uh, U.S. and he would really, from what what I understand, he really um, started doing the baby transplants because it was so hard because it's everything's so small. Sure, right. sure. Wow. Yeah. So you, so that's interesting. You know, you you really didn't at fourteen years old. You didn't. You, it was difficult for you to really see any future because for you, future was like getting through high school. Yeah. And you yeah. wanted to have fun. Twenty years old. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't really expect to be. You know, 21. Yeah. Wow. So you're going to live it up until then. So I did live it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. So so then uh, you make it through high school, and then you do make it to your 21st birthday. Right. I started uh, working for the city of Los Angeles, uh-huh. and um, I started coaching. I started coaching um, a lot of sports, but mainly I started coaching girls softball. Mm-hmm. And I think I really found a knack for it. I started getting really good players, and that was kind of my passion, just coaching and um, enjoying life, working mm-hmm. here and there for some money. Okay. So you felt like coaching gave you intention. Yeah, coaching for me was giving back. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up playing baseball, mm-hmm. and I really – like my father coached me, my uncles coached me, and I thought I got so much out of that. And I, you, you learn um, – Learn discipline, you learn teamwork, you you know, some of those people I played baseball with are still good friends with me to this day. Mm. Um, and and you were coaching a very specific or a, a pretty unique um, group of girls, really. Yeah, I coached. Could you share about that? Um, well, I, I didn't coach in the best areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of um, just different um, challenges that they had. Mm-hmm. A lot of gangs, a lot of drugs. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, absentee parents and stuff. So one of the things I really intentionally did was make sure that they knew that I was committed to coaching mm-hmm. and I'll be there. I wasn't the best coach at first, but I got better through the years. And I started coaching a couple high schools. And the last last year's coaching, I coached at Lincoln High School. And we, you know, we started getting a lot of girls to college. And it just, it was amazing. It was an amazing journey to help with those girls. Um, one of the girls is graduating, I think, 
from UCLA this week mm-hmm. or next week. And, you That's know. That's a big deal. Uh, That's life-changing. It's completely life-changing for them. Yeah, it's it's awesome that they, they're able to take, you know, what we gave them and, you know, use it in their life and, right. you know, play sports and get a free education. Right. Yeah. So then um, at some point you decided you wanted to be a real estate investor. Yeah, I actually wanted to do real estate since I was like right out of high school. Um, me and my cousin, we actually would go to the bookstores and hang out and we ended up buying, you know, two real estate books. He bought one, I bought one. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to switch them off, but we never did. Did you buy Rich Dad Poor Dad? I did buy Rich Dad Poor Dad. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> the best one. Yeah. And he actually bought, I, I think, Trump's uh, The Art of the Deal. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that wanted me to get into real estate. I bought a couple other Rich Dad Poor Dad mm-hmm. books. and um, But I didn't know where to go from there. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no really support system. Um, not like today with the internet and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so at some point you found yourself at the club. You and your yeah. sister? Uh, me and my sister were going to other, you know, seminars and trainings. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, by chance happened to find um, the club. Mm-hmm. And we joined. Um, we went to the introduction. My sister was totally not wanting to go because we just spent quite a bit of money at another program. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, let's go. You know, what, what can we lose? You know, mm-hmm. I've never been to Riverside before. I'm, <laughs> I'm an L.A. person. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like. <laughs> In the All sticks. All the way out there to Riverside. <laughs> no way. I'll go check it out. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we came out and within, I think, five, ten minutes of listening to Dave speak, we were like, all right, which one of us are paying for this? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that was basically, we'd never looked back yeah. since then. Yeah. So, and what year was that? I think it was, was it? 2013? I think so. I, I think was, was thinking 2013, 2013 or wow. something like September that. September 2013, I think. Yeah. It was our RPP. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, good. So uh, now through the years, we've become friends. Yeah, we're and, uh, very friends. We're very close friends. We are very close friends. And so uh, I know for me personally, well, so why don't you talk about what happened to you? Was it, it was in 2015? Um, when or 20, Yeah, 2015. Yeah, in 2015, I got in a little accident at work mm-hmm. and... A little bit after that, I started feeling sick again, and they ended up finding a, a leak in my heart. So right after that, um, they they told me that I needed to get my tricuspid valve replaced. And um, I don't know what that means, except for there's a valve that isn't that's leaking, right? That's really what it means. There's a valve that's leaking in your... In my heart. Yeah. So when, like, the valve opens and closes, mm-hmm. so... You know, there's no black backflow, and it's right. you know that's the proper way that the heart's supposed to function. Mm-hmm. But the basically the door wouldn't close all the way, mm-hmm. so there was backflow. Got it. And that was causing the um, the leak. That was the leak. Was mm-hmm. one of the basically one of the doors wasn't shutting all the way, so they had to come in, um, and fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had that surgery in 2015. Yes, I had that in 20 in April 24th, 2015. Okay, yeah. and so. Um, from there, I just remember having a conversation I was sharing with you earlier. I remember that you and I had a conversation and I believe it was right after, I think it was in 2016. So it was probably maybe six or eight months after your, um, after the second surgery. And why don't you talk about what they did with that surgery? You said that we had surgery, right. but what did they do? Yeah. So that was actually my fifth sur- open heart surgery right. because they had a, the Alvad, then they had to replace 
they had to fix the the alvet was my first one. They had to replace fix the alvet twice. Then I had the heart transplant, and then I had the tricuspid valve. So right. that was my fifth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that night. I was I was working. I, I worked nights for like ten years at mm-hmm. Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. and. Um, we were talking on the phone that day about our journeys. I think you just had your surgery. Mm-hmm. And I think I started telling you about, you know, what I really, at this point in my life, I, I don't see a cap to mm-hmm. where I could go or how, how long I could live. So I was, you know, I started thinking about being more outspoken about organ donation and about, you know, really telling my story, which isn't always easy, but I, I, you know, I go out and do it. I, I talk to a lot of patients that are waiting in the hospital for the transplants. I'm really close with my um, transplant coordinator and the team at Children's Hospital where I had my surgery, L.A., and I'm close with my cardiologist at USC Keck where, you know, I I speak with patients both there and at Children's Hospital. And um, I really want to... Write my write a book one day. Mm-hmm. I want to start a nonprofit to really. Um, that's kind of where I'm stuck because I don't know exactly the total direction I want to go with that. I know I, I feel I want to really help children that are waiting for that are having going through transplant more than adults. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just everybody, mm-hmm. um, and you know, really seeing how people take to me telling my story and really sharing the stuff I do. It's really opened my eyes to kind of where it could go mm-hmm. and what, what else I could do to help um, just be more of an advocate for organ donation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we were talking about this and, and I, you know, like I said, I, I read our mission statement and if you listen to the, the mission statement, it is about helping people find their core purpose in life. And so the conversation we were having was very much about that. Like, what does that look like? And you really taking ownership of your story and how powerful it is and how unique you are and how special you are. And your heart has always been, Oscar made the comment earlier, that who you are as a person is you're always paying it forward. You always want to serve people that you've never made your story about you. One of the things that you really don't want is to be painted as a victim. Yeah, that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't tell people that I had a transplant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew people for, year, I mean, probably the year after I had my transplant, and they had no idea I had a transplant. Um, yeah, people that were around me at the time, they know, mm-hmm. but it's kind of it's not something you bring up to no. people. Um, right. With social media, I'm able to share it, I guess, more freely. <laughs> yeah, the mask of social media. Yeah. So, um, and you know, I was thinking about this, you, you, we talked earlier and you were saying that mentorship with Dave changed things for you. It helped you to. Yeah. Um, the mentorship with Dave was amazing. Um, we had a really great group of people that were in the, in the mentorship with me and I was real glad I didn't take it with my sister. Cause at that time Dave actually had two classes going same time at the same time. <laughs> and, uh, um, we made it very intentional that Sonia would take one, I'll take the other. And, you know, I was able to share with the group that I did have a transplant and stuff and um, what my goals were. And about, I think a few months or a month or two after my, the, we finished the mentorship. I, that's when I first got sick. And again, and 
uh, one of the things that Dave had us doing and we, you know, kept with was being our gratitude journal. Mm -hmm. And it got to a point where I wasn't really, I couldn't say what I was grateful for without saying what was happening in my life. So I remember I I called Dave and I was, I I know Dave is always busy and, you know, he called me right back, which was awesome. And we talked for like 20 minutes on the phone about, like, I, I was scared to have my surgery, but I wasn't scared. I, um, I never thought I was, was going to die with having my first surgery. I know, I know how close I was to, um, to passing away because I was so sick, but I just never thought I would pass away. I grew up, uh, I'm Catholic and I really have a faith in God that he's going to help me through everything. And I had faith again that I was going to be fine, and I was. And um, just being, just having faith, you know, in the Lord that everything will be fine. But I do understand how how bad everything is, you know. How, well, not bad, but how difficult, you know, and how many people don't get a transplant. How many people, you know, pass away while waiting for a transplant. How many people could pass away for rejection. That's like the main thing, like after you have the surgery that they watch out for the transplant teams are rejection because your body is, it's a foreign object and your body's trying to fight anything that's not yours. So like, um, I have a low immune system that with medication that they lower it, keep it low. And, um, just a lot of testing and, you know, I'm at the hospital a lot. Right, exactly. And your health is really important. And so I think, you know, Tim made the statement earlier as we were talking about your why, like why you're doing. One of the things that's really important to me um, in the culture of the club is for people to utilize real estate as a vehicle for nothing more than to fulfill their ultimate core purpose in life. And I know that your core purpose, you know what your core purpose is, right? We know it's definitely centered around um, transplant advocacy. And the details of that are still being unfolded as we speak right now. And so that's why I really wanted to highlight your story and your passion, because I know it's a very important and a very powerful one. And Tim made a statement earlier um, about about that. So, Tim, would you would you share a little bit about like what you, what you were hearing as we were talking earlier with uh, Mike? What you were could you just share that because I think it's really powerful. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean it's <clears throat> it really touches me to to um, just to have the conversation. I mean, I think it's huge. But um, the thing that I kept hearing was just you know, I think you've inspired you've inspired me to look at things and and get my name on a donor's list because I, I talk, I, I see you and the things that you're doing and, you know, you're talking to these kids who are scared for their life and helping them, uh, to get through that scary, scary, scary time adult as well. You're helping people there. You spent your life co- coaching and, and getting these inner city kids through college. And the way that it hit me is that you really, um, you really gave meaning to the person who gave you their heart. Like you didn't waste it. You know, I'm sure you took some time and, and, um, lived it up a little bit, like you said, but the way that I am hearing you is that, um, I would be proud if my heart was living on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, you can't really explain to people you know, being alive because somebody else has passed away. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to take it, you know, when I was younger, but I just knew I wanted to give back and wanted to make an impact. And, you know, for many years, I just thought I was going to be coaching. And then it got to a point where I wanted to be bigger than coaching, you know, so I really wanted to start a business and it got, found, you know, I found the club and so many great people at the club that are doing amazing things and, you know, really be mentored by Melina, Dave and, you know, Oscar, you know, Tim, I think we got a lot closer with the masterminds mm-hmm. and, you know, I just want to make it bigger, you know, whatever right. I could get back. You know, um, so a lot of this I didn't know, right? Number yeah. one. So I, I, it's awesome that I'm sitting here listening to this. But what's also clear for me now is, because I always try to understand why what makes people tick, right? No pun intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what makes them tick, right? And what makes them, um, how they show up, I guess is the best way to put it. And I couldn't quite put my finger on you as to how you show up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Meaning, I saw how you showed up, but what drove you to be that way? Right? Because I, I would see how you interact with different people. And... I'd also see a little bit of frustration in you sometimes with certain people, right? Yeah. And now I get it mm-hmm. that the way you're driven isn't how other people are driven. And you see their potential. You see what they're capable of. You see the skills that they possess. And they're not taking advantage of those gifts, right, versus your life. And, and so now it's like, oh, got it. And so I appreciate the fact that I'm sitting here listening to all this because I think I can help you now. Mm. get those other people mm. on board. Yeah. It's, you know, the one thing about Mike is this, it's like, you can't really complain or give a bunch of excuses about why you're doing anything or why you're not doing anything to Mike. Right. 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 That's what you're, yeah. That's so exactly what I'm He's talking like, about. are you kidding me? Really? You're really, tired? Dude? Yeah. Really? Right. <laughs> no excuse. Like yeah. truly no yeah. excuse. Yeah. Exactly. And I, and I think that's also what, what has allowed you to catapult those girls Mm-hmm. to do what they do, right, because they see the passion in you. So now for me, it's like people hearing your story, right, mm-hmm. I would, I want to work with you more. Right. Because now I know what you can do and how how committed you're going to be to do certain things, right? I mean, it's it's kind of... It's an interesting thing, Mike, because what you aren't is you can hear, everybody can hear how you're, you know, you're really pretty quiet. You're a man of few words. Yeah. and But you think very deeply and you feel very deeply. And a lot of people don't really know that about you because you don't automatically share it. And I can, we can all now completely understand why. Mm -hmm. And so for me personally, it was very important to highlight that and to, well, this is part of my mentorship with you is pushing you (laughs) 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 to just get out here and podcasting. And for those of you that are listening, you can just imagine what it feels like to be sitting here in this studio. It's a brand new place that you've never been. And let's face it, it's funky and funky. Awesome. But it's one of my, one of my most favorite places is in this studio because of what I, I believe that it allows. It allows for a place to be really creative and vulnerable and that's important. And so for people to get that you walk in here and we're like, hey, have a seat with this microphone in your face and these things on your ears and cameras and recording and, <laughs> all, you know, there's like so much happening and people don't really understand that. 
And so I know that when I had you come here, I know I'm putting you like in the pressure cooker in a huge way, but that was, that was intentional because I love you. And and this is how you grow is from the heat being turned up. Right. And here's what I know about you. You're the guy who's going to show up always, always the guy who shows up. Like if I were to, I think Oscar made a good point trying to understand you and how we see you and how you show up. Not everybody really gets it, but I 100% get it. Like every single time I see you standing in the room at a training or at a mastermind, I always feel this sense of confidence, security, and inspiration. Well, thank you. And thank you for pushing me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's like, thank you, I think. (laughs) No, no, I'm definitely, I'm definitely thankful. I know I trust you. So I, you know, when you asked me and you guys asked me to come to the podcast, I 100% will be here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know you guys did it for a reason. So, mm-hmm. and I trust you guys. Did you know what it was for? Did you real? did you, did you think it was going to be all about you? No, <laughs> not really, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it is. I, Melina threw out a couple of terms that about who you are. And one of the terms that I feel like she left out was um, like the things that we, that I see when, when I look and I see you in the back of the room or wherever, you know, there is that quiet confidence and, um, but I think humility, you know, Mm -hmm. the, um, Mm -hmm. I know how difficult it is for you just to be in this room, but when we were kind of talking about it before, right earlier this morning, talking about, what it is that we want to talk about on on this podcast. I remember not once did you make that whole, everything you talked about was these girls that you're impacting and putting through college. And, and the, everything you talked about was about other people. It had, you never once said I or me in, in your, like, I don't think those words came out of your mouth at all. It was all about somebody else. And that's who I see when I see you, um, around the club is somebody who's there not for you, really. Yeah. You know what? It's really funny that you say that because let me, I want to clarify something. When I said confidence, what I meant was you give me confidence. Mm. That's what I meant. Thank you. Um, Yeah. I, it's hard to make, like, I never thought anything special about me. I just thought I, I survived, you know, something and I'm somebody who could take a lot. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish what I went through on anybody, you know, like my sister gets scared when she goes to the dentist and <laughs> to imagine her, <laughs> you know, to imagine her having to go through what I went through and, you know, it's difficult, mm. you know, it's, um, you get tested a lot mm. and, but it's amazing. You know, it's, it's something that, you know, it, I like history and I think about it. Like if I was born any other time, I, I would be dead. Right. You know, um, mm. You know, and I think everything just kind of happened the way it should have. And, you know, I was lucky to have my family, you know, some close friends and, you know, a strong support system. And, yeah. Very cool. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for being here today, for sharing your passion with us, for I feel like this is your launch pad to your nonprofit that's my that's my belief that is my hope and my desire for you Thank that you. we can that now you have no choice but to launch yeah. <laughs>
Uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh. All right, so um, everybody have a great, great, great day, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this. Um, but this is NWAC. We are flipping off. Bye. Bye.